Hello, hello, welcome to Griff Talks Football. I know it's not an original name, but it's my show anyway. So again, welcome. Um, hopefully you're, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully, hopefully your morning is going well, your afternoon is going well, or if you're listening to this at night, uh, hopefully your day has gone well, and then you'll be able to get some good sleep for uh, the next day for whatever you have uh, prepared. So, but nevertheless, thank you so much for, for listening. And so... Uh, in this episode, again, reviewing uh, week six, uh, and then previewing week seven, and then talking about one specific player from uh, the team, the New Orleans Saints, uh, in which I'll uh, get to them, get to him um, after uh, previewing uh, the games for uh, this upcoming weekend. And so, uh, nevertheless, to start off with uh, reviewing the games that happened this past weekend or otherwise known as uh, Week 6. So, uh, here we go. Pats versus Giants. And by the way, when I ran a review, again, I just sum up like the overall theme of the game and explain with some details. So, Pats versus Giants. Pats swarmed Daniel Jones. Yes, Daniel Jones threw a touchdown pass, but that was basically an on-go route that was tipped and... Golden Tate still caught it and then ran it for 64 yards for a touchdown. Other than that, he threw three picks, got sacked several times. There's some special teams miscues as well. Uh, but yeah, the, the Pats dominated 35-14. Um, you know, what's not to be expected from the Patriots. So um, that was the overall theme of the game. That's all I got there. Panthers versus Buccaneers. Jameis is terrible. Now, the score of the game ended up being 37-26. to 26, So, yes, the Panthers did win. They're on their uh, four-game winning streak, I believe, uh, with Kyle Allen as the starting QB. Um, but you have to recognize that first, um, you know, the Buccaneers defense did hold Chris McCaffrey to, like, 50 total yards, but he still got a, a receiving touchdown. And Kyle Allen, he threw over 200 yards and, like, three touchdowns, but and also didn't turn over the ball. Um, but only reason why it ended up being 37-26 to 26 is because of the Panthers' defense. Not so much allowing that many points, but they got some defensive touchdowns. And, as I just mentioned this before, the overall theme of the game, Jameis being terrible. Yes, he threw 400 yards, but by God, he threw five interceptions. So, and what's surprising, as I mentioned this in my last episode, which I published two days ago, um, just me ranting over to Cleveland Browns, that Baker Mayfield, you know, leads the league in interceptions thrown with 11, but right behind him is Jameis Winston who was in the bottom league of throwing interceptions, which means he was doing pretty well, uh, but then threw five interceptions in this game. Now leads, uh, now is currently second place for uh, throwing the most interceptions with, uh, with 10. So that was the overall theme. And so I don't, I'm not sure how much success that you can continuously get with Jameis Winston. I know this is probably the best version of himself because of Bruce Arians, uh, not only again being his first year there as a head coach for the Buccaneers, he's been a head coach for Cardinals for five seasons, starting from 2013 to uh, 2017, um, and he had success kind of like turning around Carson Palmer's career and and other quarterbacks' career, and he's known as a quarterback whisperer. But 
Um, however, even though I'm, I'm imagining that he's doing his best with Jameis Winston, but if this is the best version version of Jameis Winston that we get with him continuously still throwing picks, I'm not even sure that's even a good version. So, um, again, congrats to the uh, Panthers winning that game. All right. Uh, Redskins versus Dolphins. Redskins win their first game. Yes, they fired Jay Gruden this this, uh, this past week. And uh, the interim coach right now is Bill Callahan. And I believe he was the OC. I mean, now he's still a play caller there now. Um, but, of course, the interim head coach. And the game ended up being 17-16 um, against another terrible team, the Miami Dolphins. So... I mean, I don't, even though they're in fourth place in their division, even though they're still technically, you know, in a playoff potential spot just because of the NFC East being terrible right now, the team itself is terrible. So I don't, I don't see the Redskins having much success. That organization needs to be turned around by just the owner giving up the team to another owner. Because no matter who you hire as a head coach, I just and and recognize too the Redskins last time they made a playoffs was 2015. That was with you know Kirk Cousins still there. We also have to recognize that Sean McVay was a play caller. Then their other playoff appearance as of the past couple years was 2012, and that's when uh, Kyle Shanahan and his dad Mike Shanahan were the coaches there, and they had a healthy RG3 at the time. And it was based off, you know, some uh, significant and awesome offensive play callers and some talent. But again, no matter who you hire, the organization itself is just terrible. So I don't expect the Redskins to uh, have a successful season or any successful seasons within the next couple years. Saints versus Jags clutch touchdown drive changed the game. Yeah, uh, the score ended up being 13 to six. Um, but I believe in the fourth quarter, um, Tate Bridgewater and in, in the offense was marching down the field, and I think on third and goal, uh, Tate Bridgewater Bridgewater threw a touchdown pass to um, Jared Cook, who caught it in tight coverage. Um, in the back of the end zone. So Andy maintained possession of the ball. So that's what gave the Saints the lead. But otherwise, it was a very uh, competitive game. No offensive fireworks, if you will. But it was a defensive battle. A lot of it was on the ground game. Um, the Saints made Gar- Gardner Mishu, the quarterback for the Jags, look like trash. Um, but then you can also say the same thing. In terms of the Jags defense, they gave Teddy Bridgewater a difficult time in the pocket. I don't think he threw any picks, uh, but he definitely got sacked several times and got hit a lot. Um, But nevertheless, congrats on the Saints. Not only winning this game, but winning uh, four straight games in a row. So they're currently 5-1. The Jags are currently uh, 2-4. Bengals v. Ravens. AFC North is still up in the air. Yes, the Ravens did win. 23-17. Yes, the Ravens have a 4-2 record. But that 4-2 record has been unimpressed. 
Like, there's been games where you would think on paper that it shouldn't be competitive because the Ravens are a much better team compared to teams that they've played against, such as Cardinals and then the Bengals, but they've been close. They've been close. And so I also do recognize that both the Browns and the Steelers are 2-4. and four. Uh, They still have somewhat of a shot of winning that terrible division right now. Um, I don't think this... You know, the Steelers would necessarily be there at the end of the year um, just because of the lack of offensive play. Um, but also, again, even though the Browns have, have been inconsistent offensively, too, they've they by far have the better defense in the AFC North. So just because the Ravens are two games ahead of both teams, well, technically, uh, 1.5 because even though they're ahead two games, it's 1.5 to the Browns because they did lose to the Browns a couple weeks ago. So had the Browns uh, have the same record as the Ravens, which would have been four and two, the Browns would have been in the lead for the AFC North. So do not assume the AFC North is already wrapped up with the Ravens. They've been inconsistent in their play. Seahawks versus Browns. No offensive identity for the Browns. Again, in my previous episode, I just went on a huge rant uh, about about the Browns because, again, I am a Browns fan. And second, that whole episode was about the Browns' offensive identity. And so you can listen to all the, the fucking details there. Um, but just as I'm trying to wrap this up, is it's, it's what is kind of holding the team back. Um, not just... Baker Mayfield's play, his is inconsistent play, but I also do put blame on Freddie Kitchen's play calling. Yes, they run the ball, but as I mentioned in my previous episode, it's how you run the ball and in the system that you develop. You know, with Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, uh, Matt LaFleur, and other guys in the NFL that run the zone scheme, that that's part of their identity is how they use it with Sean McVay. It's a lot of three uh, receivers, one tight end, one running back or 11 personnel or one back personnel he uses. And that's a lot of stretch zone stretch scheme with a lot of receivers blocking with Kyle Shanahan. It's a lot of ACE and I formations where ACE is two tight ends, two receivers, one running back. I is one tight end, one fullback, one running back, two receivers, and it's also using the zone stretch scheme. So it's it's how you use it. Patriots, they're doing a whole lot of heavy sets, um, playing of I formations, ace formations, but they run a lot of power. And then of course with play action. So it, it, it all dependent on how you not only again run or pass, but the kind of system that you use that not only makes up specifically your offensive identity, but that is saying that that is the strength of your team and also sets up something. And because Freddie Kitchens is not, has not, for whatever reason, established an offensive identity, it's kind of difficult to set up other things to make bigger plays, whether it's play action or a bigger run, whatever it may be. Um, so that was that's about it for the overall theme of this game. Seahawks ended up winning 32 to 30, 32 to 28, I believe. Eagles versus Vikings. Not what I had expected. I was expecting a defensive game, a lot of sacks, because both defenses, even though the Vikings are far greater than the Eagles, both have excellent pass pass rushes. You know, both use similar systems of a 4-3. 
And uh, evidently, that's not what it came to be because the game ended up being 38-20. to 20. Kirk Cousins threw over 300 yards and, and four touchdown passes, right? And I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is a trash QB. I just think he's good, but not great. But he ended up, with the help of offensive line and receivers that he has and the running back that he has with Dalvin Cook, um, ended up making making the Philadelphia Eagles defense look like trash, which evidently within their secondary, they are. They're ranked 32nd in pass defense, which is fucking terrible. Um, because again, 32 teams in the NFL, if you're last, you're pretty bad. So um, congrats on the Vikings on winning that game. Eagles definitely need to fix not only their defensive woes, but a, a lot of problems especially recovering from injuries and, and, and again, the game plans that they established. Texans v. Chiefs. Why was this game not televised on NBC? This was this should have been a nationally televised game. All right, It was the first game between uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes facing each other. Patrick was picked number 11 in the 2017 NFL draft. Deshaun was one pick right behind him. Obviously, they have two different careers, but um, evidently, even though Patrick had the better stats, um, Deshaun Watson ended up making a clutch play with the help of Hopkins catching the ball on a fourth and three play to ice the game. And so, and as well as Watson helped the Texans offense uh, lead to a 12 play, 93 yard game winning touchdown drive. Um, they ended up not only taking the lead, of course, but then when they get the ball back, they kept that lead and ended up bleeding the clock and then um, ended up winning that game 31-24. So um, this was a big win for the Texans organization, and it may, even though they're 4-2, it looks like they could be, for the first time ever in franchise history, uh, being in a position to have a divisional playoff spot in, which is divisional round, but also a, a bye week, potentially. They never had that. They've always played in the wild card round. Um, but, again, too early to tell. Season's not over just yet. But never, nevertheless, impressive win um, by the Texans going 4-2. Chiefs are, they've lost two games in a row, and they'll play the Broncos this upcoming uh, Thursday night, which is tomorrow. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on um, and see how the Chiefs can bounce back to and if the Texans can uh, consistently play well offensively too. So and, and also defense. But again, the overall theme of this game is that was a fantastic game. Great matchup. Houston ended up coming out on top. And I was just disappointed, as I'll explain soon, why I wish this game should have been televised Sunday Night Football. So, Falcons versus Cards. How did the Falcons lose? Now, granted, they missed an extra point, couldn't recover the onside kick. Cardinals milked the clock, winning 34 to 33. But this team has better players, but they fucking lost. They lost to a makeshift offensive line that could barely hold up and protect Kyler Murray, who ended up just dotting them up, dotting the Falcons secondary up with no problem. 
And I don't think he threw a pick either. I think he threw over 300 yards and three touchdowns with, with no problem. And um, and it's not like he's got great receivers. I don't think he does other than Larry Fitzgerald. But Larry Fitzgerald is 36 years old, right? He doesn't necessarily have the, the, the speed like he once had comparing to himself 10 years ago, right? The older you get, it's more difficult to consistently, depending on the position you play, to consistently play to a high level, uh, especially when you start to slowly lose the speed and some of your athleticism. But, I mean, the Falcons only one year, one win this year, and that was against the Eagles because the Eagles lost lost a, a lot of their offensive weapons to injury. And so... Like the Falcons, again, playing inconsistent. And Dan Quinn could get fired this year. Uh, I don't expect the Cardinals to have a successful season still, still, but who knows. But then again, the NFC West is competitive with the Seahawks, the Rams, and, and the 49ers. So congrats on the Cardinals winning that game. 49ers versus Rams. Fourth down stops. The 49ers which I expected to be a shootout between two pretty good offensive play callers between uh, head coach Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers and head coach Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams, but that was not the case Um, because there were several instances where the Rams went for it on fourth down, like fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three. I think there was a fourth and four as well, and the 49ers defense stopped them. Um, they only allowed one touchdown. That was in the first quarter. But other than that, they did not allow really any offensive numbers. And Jared Goff only threw 75 yards passing. That, it was bad. It was bad. And you would think that with the personnel that Sean McVay uses, which is a lot of, again, one-back personnel, um, you would think it would be an advantage against... 49ers base defense, which they were in a four three, they were in four three a lot. They did bring in some nickel packages just because of the personnel that um, the Rams were in, but because they stuck in the four three defense, it's and because of the players they had defensively, it's kind of hard for the receivers for the Rams to block um, Nick Bosa, uh, the defensive lineman for the 49ers, or other huge defense line and linebackers and so they couldn't really again run the ball against the 49ers and then the 49ers secondary basically balled out so congrats on the 49ers winning not only being undefeated 5-0 I believe yeah 5-0 but also uh, their defense is now one of the best in the league right now compared what they were last year so congrats on the 49ers (sighs) Titans versus Broncos result Broncos win 16-0 uh, another result, Tannehill starts this week. Tannehill um, played in the second half, or at least late in the third quarter, because uh, Mike Vabral decided to bench Marcus Mariota. And he's going to bench Marcus Mariota again, and then start Ryan Tannehill and this week. And I don't think it's going to be any better, because the offense has been inconsistent. Um you would think that they had an amazing offensive line, but they've been playing average, and they have not been playing well by any means necessary. Cowboys versus Jets. You lost to Sam Darnold? How, how, I'm not saying Sam Darnold is trash, but you have to recognize 
what he has. Yes, he has Le'Veon Bell, but he's played inconsistent thus far. He's got Jameson Crowder and Robbie Anderson, and they're okay wide receivers. They're not great, right? They don't wow you. They're not in the talk of being a top 10 wide receivers at all, and they beat the Cowboys 24-22. Granted, the Cowboys had an opportunity to score in a two-point conversion, but uh, they did not. Also, even there wasn't, there was not a flag call for pass interference from Jason Winnen, and there wasn't going to be because you have to realize that the ball, when you go for two point conversions, the ball is at the two yard line uh, towards the end zone, and or the opponent's two yard line, and because Jason Winnen only ran three yards, it's not a pass interference. The DB, as long as the DB does not hold the receiver or tight end or running back running a route. Um, the DB can touch the receiver or the person that's going to be getting the ball or throwing the ball to them within five yards. After that, you cannot touch. You can just defend the best way that you can against the receivers. And so um, Cowboys were not clutch on that drive uh, enough to uh, tie the game. And uh, they've been playing bad offensive football. And they're on a three-game losing streak. And the Jets won their first game of the season. Um, so congrats to the Jets on winning that. Steelers versus Chargers. This game was bullshit. As I mentioned, I wish the Texans and Chiefs game was televised on national TV, NBC, Sunday Night Football, but it was not. I got a trash game. I ended up watching a very shitty game in which the Steelers, yes, they won 24-17. They were leading 24-0 in the fourth quarter. And the Chargers were slowly coming back, but it was just—it was—it was so bad. It was so bad. The Chargers should have never been in this predicament. They are by far a better team, and they ended up losing. There was no run defense play by Chargers. The Steelers were just able to run the ball with no problem, right? Hodges—I don't—he only threw one interception, right? But he only threw a total, I believe, like 15 passes, and he went 13 out of 15. So, really, you would think the Chargers had an advantage, but obviously did not, and they fucking lost. So, uh, congrats to the Steelers on winning. I don't think the Chargers will be in the playoffs by this year, nor uh, I don't think that was in my... Yes, it was in my prediction. I did think the Chargers were going to take a playoff spot, but the way they've been playing, I don't think so. I don't think they'll make the playoffs this year. And last, but definitely not least... Lions versus Packers. What the fuck, Matthew Stafford? Look, I know there were some terrible officiating calls that ended up going in the Packers' favor, and they took advantage of that, ended up winning the game 23-22 to because all they had to do was, was kick a, a 20-something yard field goal for the win, and that was, that's an easy chip shot right there. Um, but it's just it's fucking terrible. Of Matt Stafford's play. I mean, yes, the officiating, again, terrible, needs to improve throughout, like, drastically right now for, for all games that's being officiated. I'm not saying all the refs are terrible, but it's just, that was bad. But also recognize that Matthew Stafford bears fault in this. He went 18 out 32 for 265 yards. No picks, but no touchdowns either. Like the first play of the game, the Lions call a flea flicker. Matt Stafford throws this beautiful ball for 72 yards. Awesome. They're in the red zone. 
Next play, fumbles the snap. And they ended up getting a field goal on that drive, not a touchdown. And that's that's been the entire season thus far for Matt Stafford. It's just inconsistent play. And he's never won the NFC North either in his 11-year career. Um, but again, you would think because of how often or how much this QB is getting paid in this contract worth over $100 million, you would think that the team should be in the playoffs every year. But evidently, that's not the case. And again, Matthew Stafford, inconsistent. So you can blame officiating if you want, but you got to blame Matthew Stafford mostly on, on this fucking loss. They had an advantage. They were leading 13-0 within late of the second quarter. They were still leading the game 19-13. They were still leading the game 22-20. And they had the ball and could have milked the clock. And Matthew Stafford did nothing with that opportunity. And evidently, Packers ended up winning the game. Because, number one, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, the Lions defense, good, cannot consistently hold Aaron Rodgers to zero points or to even 20 something points that's very difficult to do and number three again blame Matthew Stafford so that's all the games review in this past week and I'm now going to move on to previewing these games coming up starting with Chiefs and Broncos Thursday night football what to look into will it be a three-game losing streak for the Chiefs um the Broncos defense still terrible offense still terrible However, I imagine because of how terrible the Chiefs defense is, the Broncos will somehow score points. And you have to consider um, how how much mobility Patrick Mahomes has because he still has a messed up ankle. Um, And how healthy the weapons are and how consistent they'll play offensively. So that's something you look into is will it be a three game losing streak for the Chiefs? Packers versus Raiders. Raiders should not win this game. But Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs is currently the starting running back for the Oakland Raiders and the Packers run defense is ranked 25th in the NFL, which isn't good, of course. And so that's that's the reason why the Raiders might win this game. Yes, they're playing at home. I mean, they're playing away games. So they're playing at the Packers stadium. Um but they could potentially win just because of the Raiders having an okay run game going against a terrible Packers run game, a run defense. Um, that's the only reason why they could win if they milk the clock. Otherwise, if they go into a shootout, I don't think they'll win. Number one, I don't think they have enough weapons to do it. Number two, I think Aaron Rodgers is far better uh, than Derek Carr. Number three, the Packers have a better pass protection compared to the Raiders O-line. And um, number four, um, if it evidently becomes a shootout, the Packers are far more balanced offensively than the Raiders are. Um, Just because the Packers do have better running backs. They've been inconsistent in their ground game from time to time. But the Raiders have a terrible run defense. And, and, and again, the weapons the Packers have offensively compared to uh, the weapons that the Raiders have offensively. So I, the Packers, I imagine, should win this game. But if they do lose this game, it's only because of the, pack, of the Raiders being able to run the ball and milk the clock. That's the, only, that's the only way I see the Raiders win this game. They have no pass rush, no run defense, terrible secondary. 
We'll see how the game goes. Rams versus Falcons. It's going to be golf versus Matt Ryan, but most specifically, golf versus the Falcons secondary, Matt Ryan versus the Rams secondary. The Rams made this trade uh, yesterday where they got Jalen Ramsey. He's one of the best corners in the league from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They traded Marcus Peters away to the Baltimore Ravens, so I would say they got a better corner, but then again, it doesn't matter how many stars you have on defense, it's about how well you play, and the Rams defense has not played well, especially against the run and especially against the pass. They have they have not played well. Um, you can somewhat contribute to the Rams not having a consistent ground game, which if you have a consistent, pretty good running, running game, it does give the defense some rest. But nevertheless, um, doesn't matter how many stars you have on offense or defense, it's about how well you play. And so I don't, I, I don't think Matt Ryan is going to have a terrible game. I think he's still going to put up pretty good offensive numbers. It's, it's about how well he plays against the Rams secondary, and then how well Golf plays against the Falcons secondary. So I, I do think it's going to be a tight game. Um, it could be a coin flip, but the way it's been going, even though the Rams are on a three-game winning streak, uh, losing streak, sorry, losing streak, even though the Falcons have consistently been losing too, um, it could be a toss-up, but I am leaning towards the Rams winning this game, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons somehow win. 49ers versus Redskins, uh, Keenan versus 49ers D, uh, defense, um, I would say skip this game. I don't think the Redskins are going to win. I think the 49ers are just going to wipe the floor with the Redskins. But uh, that's something to look into. Texans versus Colts. It's going to be a Texans pass game versus a Colts run game. Um, I don't think the Colts are wanting, especially with Frank Reich as a head coach and the play caller for the Colts. I don't think he wants to get in the shootout with the Houston Texans in their offense with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and several other offensive targets. I don't think they want to get in the shootout. Also, the Texans' pass protection has been excellent. Watson has not been sacked in two consecutive games, so that's great. He's been undefeated when he's only sacked once or none. Um, and, and again, I don't think the Colts want to get in the shootout with the Texans. Uh, the Texans also have an excellent ground game. Uh, so it could be milk in the clock, but because of the play caller that O'Brien is, I think he's going to go with that consistent shotgun formations and quick passing game with intermediate routes. With some deep routes too, but I think it's going to be, that's part of their identity is, is passing it quick um, and on time and accurate, of course. And, and, I'm not saying Jacoby Brissett is a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's at that level where he can consistently be in a shootout with other quarterbacks. Not because, again, he's not bad. He's good. But he doesn't have the same amount of targets as the Texans have offensively. Yes, he has T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton will probably ball out against the Texans secondary because he, he has consistently done that. But I can't name another target. Like, I can say... Eric Ebron, but he has played inconsistently. I can say Jack Doyle, but he's played inconsistently. And the Texans defense has done well against the Colts tight ends. So expect that matchup to occur where it's going to be the Colts trying to run out the clock and trying to keep it close or at least keep it into their revenge, win the game like that, and expect the Texans to try to score a lot of points by throwing the ball consistently. Uh, Not deep, of course. Like, they'll throw it deep. But in order to do that, I 
that part of their identity is throwing it short, intermediate routes, trying to stay consistent to that, try to connect on passes to that, and force the defense to kind of cheek up and then take advantage of throwing it deep. So um, we'll see. We'll we'll see how that game goes. Vikings versus Lions, which QB is better? I think it's going to come down to the play of Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins. And because of the weapons that Kirk Cousins has, I think he'll play well. Um, But also recognize that, you know, the Lions, I do believe, have a better pass protection. Um, And, you know, some weapons there, too. And I think Matthew Stafford also has a stronger arm compared to Kirk Cousins. But I think the game goes in the Vikings' favor. But we'll see how the game goes. Jaguars versus Bengals. How can the Bengals win? They're 0-6 right now. They're 0-6, right? They have terrible run defense, terrible secondary. I think the Jaguars are just going to run the ball. I'm not saying Gardner Mishu is trash or anything, but he's... I think that because of having a running back like Leonard Fournette, I think you're going to call a lot of power plays and just run the ball down their throats. Cardinals versus Giants. Daniel Jones versus Kyler Murray, part one. It's going to be the first game in their careers where they'll play against each other. Um, And both teams have terrible secondaries and terrible defense, so it it comes down to... Who plays better? And I think this is gonna this is gonna be a statement game for Daniel Jones if he wins against the Cardinals. Um, it can also be a statement game against the Giants if you know Kyler Murray wins, um, proving that the Cardinals were right to draft Kyler Murray. Um, but we'll we'll see how the game goes too. Dolphins versus Bills. Long day for Dolphins offense. I would say skip this game. Bills are in the top five defense, both for points allowed and yards allowed, and in run defense. Secondary, I think they're ranked uh, ninth. Um, but that's still good in the league. And uh, Dolphins offense are all, they're like last in everything offensively. So uh, expect the Bills to just flat out win. Chargers versus Titans. It's a toss up. Both teams have played inconsistent. doesn't matter how many weapons you have. It's all about how well you play. And Chargers have not played well, both offensively and defensively. Titans have not played well, both offensively and defensively. Um, and yes, they'll start Ryan Tannehill, but I'm not sure if it, it will get any better. Ravens versus Seahawks. It's going to be Jackson versus Wilson. Um, both QBs are mobile. Both QBs can throw the ball well, but I think through experience, this leans towards Russell Wilson. Um, but, however, again, the Ravens upgraded their secondary by getting Marcus Peters. I mean, he's going to learn the system, of course. Um, but at least he's got a week to prepare to not only digest all of the information, um, but also adjust and get ready to play against uh the Seahawks, uh, familiar, he, it's a familiar opponent, matter of fact, fun fact, he did, when he was with the Rams, they did play against, uh, the Seahawks a couple weeks ago, and the Seahawks did win that game, so, um, this should be, hopefully, an exciting game, Saints versus Bears, Camaro's big game, Alvin Camaro may have a big game against the Bears, now, the Bears are coming off of a bye week, but the week before that, when they play against the Raiders, it may have been jet lag but they could not stop the run 
And so Alvin Kamara, he's one of the, I would argue, one of the best backs in the NFL. And uh, this that's part of, that's been part of the Saints blueprint has been power running. So I expect that to to occur. Bills, I mean, I'm sorry, Bears run defense against the running offense of the Saints with uh, Alvin Kamara. Eagles versus Cowboys. Dak v. Wentz, of course. I mean, Wentz has been ha- has to overcome not only injuries, not only for himself, of course, but injuries on the Eagles' uh, weapons of their receivers. Uh, Zach Ertz, he's been healthy, but he's been double-teamed a lot. Um, and then with Dak Prescott, he's got better weapons, but they've been inconsistent, and so he's going against a secondary that's ranked last in the NFL for passing yards per game. So he's got an advantage right here. He's got an advantage. So it may go in Dak's favor, but Carson Wentz, I would say, is the better QB. Last but not least, Patriots versus Jets. This might be an actual competitive game. I think the last competitive game the Patriots had was against the Bills, and that was two weeks ago. It was 16-10. Bills have an excellent defense. And uh, Jets do not have an excellent defense compared to the Bills and even compared to the Patriots. However, now they have a healthy Sam Darnold, of course, who's coming off the first win of the season. Um, But however, the Patriots make second-year QBs look like trash. So um, we'll see how the game goes. But that was it for previewing games. I know this has been a long episode. Just bear with me. But uh, uh, before I uh, finish this episode, there's just one thing I I am bringing up, and it's about Teddy Bridgewater, the Saints player. Uh, They've been steady with Teddy Bridgewater playing four-game winning streak, right? Um, He's similar to Drew Brees' strengths in terms of being able to get the ball out quick and accurately um, similar style in terms of not throwing the ball deep. I mean, Drees has been, Breeze has been throwing the ball deep consistently all year, except for uh, the 2017, 2018 seasons, really. Uh, and it's not that it's not bad or anything, but it can definitely be limiting if you don't take, you know, deep shots. But you know, if it works offensively where you can just go dink and dunk throughout the field with no problem, by all means, go for that too. Um, but he plays similar to Drew Brees in terms of the way, um, in terms of similar play style of not throwing the ball deep as much. Um, but you also have to consider, is he really going to be the QB of the future? It's, it's, it's a rare occasion for backup quarterbacks that were not drafted by the team that they're currently on to take over for the starting quarterback and be the QB of the future. So it's a rare occurrence. I mean, if it happens, it's always been, you know, the team drafting that QB and then waiting for a few years until their current starter starter either retires or signs with a different team or gets traded. And then that backup QB that was drafted ends up being a starter. You see it with the Chiefs. You saw it with the Patriots when Tom Brady was a backup to Drew Bledsoe. You've seen it with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Right? It's it's occurred. It's happened. But instances where, again, a QB is the backup and not drafted by the team that they're currently on, it that doesn't necessarily happen. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But that's it for uh, today's episode. 
Uh, thank you again so much for listening. Thank you for listening to this long episode. I know I've been trying to keep it short, but thank you so much again. Can't, I can't help but be uh, appreciative. So if you're listening to this in the morning, good morning. Hope your days go as well. If you're listening to this in the afternoon, hope your day has been has been going well and hope you're enjoying your break if you are working or, or doing academic work or whatever you are doing. If you're listening to this at night, thank you so much for listening and I hope you get rest for the next uh, work day. So thank you so much and have a kick-ass day, guys.